welcome to the Silly Sports Podcast. This is the very first episode of the podcast. I'm here with my good friend Adi. Adi, would you like to tell everyone about yourself? Yeah. What's up? My name's Adi Cohen. I'm a two-time Florida State alumni, so big fan of all things Seminoles. Uh, as far as pro sports go, super, super huge fan of all New England teams. So Patriots, Celtics, Bruins, uh, New England Revolution, you name it, that's my team. Uh, Anthony, how about you? Yeah, so my name's Anthony. Um, I graduated from the University of Florida. Um, so I'm a big Florida fan. I grew up a Florida fan as well. Um, I'm going to Texas Tech for grad school, so I'm starting to get in and follow some Texas Tech sports as well. Um, as far as professional sports go, um, I'm a Miami Everything fan, Miami Heat, Miami Dolphins, um, the Inter-Miami team in the MLS, except for in hockey, I am a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, and then uh, I also follow Chelsea in the Premier League, because um, I grew up playing soccer, so that was uh, that was always one of my favorite sports. Um, as far as this podcast goes, this is a sports podcast where we will cover a lot of the biggest news, but this podcast is also meant to be for some of the smaller sports that you wouldn't really consider, you know, following or thinking about really. Um, you know, we'll cover a lot of uh, women's soccer, a lot of small college sports. Uh, we have cross country on the docket today. We'll be talking about the cross country championships and all of that stuff. But uh, this podcast is really just a, um, an absolutely everything podcast. So you might be a little bit surprised by uh, what sports we talk about, but hopefully we can make it interesting for you guys. For sure, for sure. I also realized I forgot to mention my uh, favorite Premier League team, and that is going to be the Tottenham Hotspurs. So now that we're all on the same page, let's dive into some college football. So uh, first thing, Anthony, how do you feel about Dan Mullen getting fired? Uh, honestly, uh, Dan Mullen getting fired is probably the best thing that could have happened to the Florida football team. Um, he's a great coach. He will always be remembered fondly at Florida. He won two national championships as the offensive coordinator, came back, tried to be the head coach. It went well for about two and a half years. And then as soon as Marco Wilson threw that shoe, everything just kind of went downhill. Um, but earlier today, we were recording this on November 21st, uh, about two hours ago, it was confirmed that Dan Mullen has been fired. Um, a, the interim head coach has not been named, but we will have an interim head coach against Florida State next weekend. And um, of course, in a bowl game, if we beat Florida State and, and make a bowl game. But Dan Mullen being fired is absolutely incredible. It, it could not have been, it couldn't have come at a better time. I mean, he couldn't get out of his own way. Um, and so the Florida football program will, um, you know, they'll look to move on and make make a good hire. You know, maybe Urban Meyer's on his way back to Florida to win a couple more natties. But uh, how do you think it, it impacts the Florida-Florida State game next weekend? Honestly, at first I was pretty stoked to hear he was gone. But then I realized, y'all don't have a bad coach anymore. So it's just going just gonna to not be good for us in the long term. I think... Y'all not having a stable head coach right now uh, might help us win this game, but who knows what it'll look like in the future. Um, but what I will say, Mike Norvell never lost to Dan Mullen. 
So that's definitely a positive for me. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. It's all right. You guys, you're lucky you didn't have to play us last year. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not, there's not too much to say about that. Um, considering Dan Mullen just got fired, there's no news on who Florida's potentially looking at. A lot of the fans um, want Billy Napier, who is the current head coach for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. There's a lot of name calling for Bob Stoops, but I don't think he comes out of retirement to coach Florida. And then, of course, you know, Urban Meyer coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, and he's had a rough first season in the NFL. Um, he, you know, a lot of people want to see him make the hour-long trip back down to Gainesville. But uh, that will be for a later podcast when we find out a little bit more. But we will talk about some playoff picks because Oregon lost yesterday, and that has pretty much eliminated Oregon from the college football playoffs but four teams make it as you know which um, you know we can sit here and debate uh, but I think me and Adib both agree that four teams just uh, it's just not enough for sure couldn't agree more honestly to me it takes out all the fun of the playoffs because when you look at basketball for example with a field of 64 teams leaves a lot of room for upsets and a lot of room for just really cool sports moments to happen, and that just I feel doesn't happen in the in the uh, football playoffs when you've only got the four top teams to that are kind of coming together to play each other. Yeah, for sure. It's um I did hear that um the college football playoff committee has a, they've approved a twelve team playoff format, and they are trying to get it implemented for next season, the twenty twenty two season. But obviously. They have a lot of TV contracts and different uh, monetary things to work out before that can become a reality. And if they don't get it set up for twenty twenty five or for twenty twenty two, they have said that it probably won't expand until twenty twenty five. So we're either getting a twelve team playoff a lot earlier than we expected, or we're going to be stuck with the four team format for the next couple of years. But we will have the four team for- format this year, and uh, we've me and a D both agree. Um, that Georgia, pretty much no matter what, is in. But who else do you think gets in? I'm thinking my number two is Bama, my number three is Ohio State, and my number four is Cincy. And honestly, just like everybody else, I'd like to see any other top three teams outside of Georgia, Bama, and Ohio State be in the college football playoffs. But there's not much I can do about that one, unfortunately. What about you, Anthony? What are you thinking? Yeah, I you know I agree. Uh, it's boring every year. Um, but being a Florida fan, um, I don't want to see Georgia win at all. Um, but I'm I'm gonna say Georgia right now. Bama is my number two. I think Bama loses to Georgia and eliminates Bama from from the playoffs. Um, so I'll take Georgia makes it. Ohio State and Michigan play this weekend. The winner of that will definitely make it. If I had to put money on it right now. I would take Ohio State. So I'm going to put Ohio State at my two spot. I'm going to put Cincy at my three spot. I think they're going to move up. Again, Alabama loses to Georgia. So Cincy will be my three. As for four, this is where it gets really interesting because Notre Dame is sitting down there at um, number eight. They'll probably be number seven when the new polls come out on Tuesday. Um, But I I would. I don't want to see Notre Dame make it. I actually want. To, I think Oklahoma State has a chance. I think if Oklahoma State can beat 
Oklahoma this weekend, and then they'll have to play Oklahoma again in the Big 12 title game. Oklahoma State gets in at number four. So my top four are going to be Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State, just for a little bit of fun, just for some fun. Honestly, sounds like a pretty solid top four, too. I mean, anything can happen. There's still a couple weeks left uh, of the season for things to kind of change up. But, yeah. Um, Leading into another NCAA championship race, the women's soccer tournament is underway right now. And uh, we are soon going to be in the uh, Elite Eight round. Uh, some of the games are still kind of occurring now to determine final eight teams. And uh, basically, for those of you that don't know, uh, the tournament format is actually the same as March Madness. Uh, 64 teams are selected to compete based on national rankings, conference titles, um, and are guaranteed spots if they win those, uh, similar to how they would in March Madness. And then the teams play each other and advance from the round if they win the game. And then the losing team season is over. So currently, uh, we've got Florida State just won their game this afternoon against Pepperdine. So they will be in the Elite Eight playing Michigan. I believe uh, Santa Clara beat Wisconsin to move on. Uh, St. John's is playing Duke for a spot. And uh, Rutgers, South Carolina and BYU have made it to the Elite Eight. And then the last game that we're waiting for is uh, Arkansas versus Notre Dame. Um, Anthony, you got any takes on the college soccer race to the championship? Um, I would say Florida State's, you know, probably the favorite. Um, they pretty much went wire to wire this season, being number one, I think, the whole season, I want to say. Um, it's very interesting, though, because a lot of upsets have already happened. South Carolina has made it um, as an unseeded team, uh, beating uh, number two North Carolina in the first round. Santa Clara has also made it as an unseeded team, uh, and they will be playing most likely Duke in the next round. However, um, you know, with the upsets that have already happened, St. John's could beat Duke. Um, but none of the number one seeds, are all the number one seeds, still in it no they're not it's just Rutgers and Florida State and Duke assuming that Duke wins their game so um I'm gonna take Florida State to win it all which pains me to say but I, I would take Florida <laughs> State to win the the championship this year well listen definitely appreciate the support I would love to see a win it would be uh the second year in a row that we actually make it to the national championship we lost to Santa Clara last year so I'm hoping this year we pull it out and uh, take home the natty. One thing I will say, though, is streaming for the uh, tournament has been an absolute nightmare. They, they The NCAA has put all the games on conference networks at obscure times. So unless you have the, um, the uh, cable package that lets you watch it, you can't see it anywhere. And the thing that bothers me the most about that is uh, if it was the – uh, March Madness tournament, they would probably never do that. They would put it on ESPN for everybody to see. So I just don't get why we're doing that to women's sports and making it so inaccessible when there's already like a low amount of like fans and interest. You would think that they would want to promote it even more. Yeah, but that's my two cents on that. It's the worst. I know 
I know ESPN Plus has come along, and, and I have ESPN Plus for, you know, it's $5 a month, um, and it's wonderful. The You know, I watch women's volleyball on it all the time, but even when you go to watch sports like that, it's the coverage is just not good. It's like the, the people talking about it, the commentators on those those small little, like, channels, they just... They don't do their job as well. They don't get you as excited to watch the game as, you know, college football commentators do. And so even when you can find the streams, they're usually, one, behind a paywall. And then if you decide, hey, I want to pay to be able to watch these games, it's just, like, the app. there's no atmosphere. That's what watching sports is, and that's what these smaller sports lack because of the lack of support and the lack of funding that they get. And that's why... A lot of people really, really struggle to watch these sports. That's why, for me, I love watching them because they're the sports that I love. But it is, it is difficult sometimes when there is no atmosphere there to get me excited about what I'm watching. For sure, I couldn't agree more, and I think that that's something that uh, universities across the country, in conjunction with the NCAA, need to. Uh, get better at and get better at promoting these sports uh, more fairly compared to uh, some of the some of the like male counterparts like basketball and football and so on um, so I guess leading into that our next uh, item that we're talking about is NCAA men's and women's basketball Anthony I'll let you start that off yeah so unfortunately for the Florida fans listening, this is not the greatest pod for us because along with Dan Mullen getting fired, um, it came out in the past couple of weeks that the women's basketball coach, um, he resigned over the summer. His name is Cam Neubauer. Uh, he resigned and everyone was kind of questioning why. Um, nobody really knew much about it, but it came to light that he had been abusing the women's basketball players um, verbally and physically. Um, there were reports coming out that um, he threw basketballs at them during practice. Um, he was yelling slurs and stuff like that. Um, and not only is that an issue, apparently, allegedly, uh, the athletic director at the University of Florida, Scott Strickland, uh, knew about this. Players had been complaining. Parents had been complaining. He had gotten emails um, and he still let him coach for four years, I believe he was at the University of Florida. Um, and a lot of it was surprising to me when that came out because, you know, you might be thinking, oh, did Florida try to cover up some legendary head coach's issues and let him stay? No, the team sucked anyway. The team never made the NCAA tournament under Cam. They went 46-71 and 71 after four years. And now you've got your, your football coach is fired because he couldn't coach football. Your women's basketball coach is having these issues um, about abusing players. And our athletic director then knew about it. And he didn't do anything about it. So most likely Florida will be having a new athletic director here um, in the next couple of weeks. But right now the president of UF, who has that ability, uh, is also struggling with his own little... Um, lawsuits coming against him but uh yeah it looks like Florida will have a new athletic director um, coming out of the news of their women's basketball team which is just an absolute joke to me man that is definitely uh, 
not a good look for you guys. So you and Miami are now going to have new athletic directors in the coming year, which makes our lives hopefully a little bit easier as Florida State fans. But overall, definitely a super disappointing story to hear about coming out of uh, University of Florida. Uh, Hopefully the situation gets turned around there for them and uh, the team does better in the coming years with a new coach that uh, hopefully values them more and treats them with kindness and respect, just like we all deserve. Uh, (laughs) I mean, outside of that, though, uh, let's talk about FSU men's basketball for a minute because things are not looking as good as we thought. Uh, Started off the season with a uh, number 20 ranking and immediately lost that in our second game against the University of Florida, uh, where we lost, I believe memory serves me correctly, 71 to 55, which was disappointing and not what I expected at all. Um, So now we've dropped out of the top 20. And placed by Florida, might I say. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. So, uh, (laughs) for now, all I can hope is things turn around and Coach Ham gets the team back to where they belong in the top 20. Um, You guys will be fine. I mean, you beat us seven times in a row. That streak was going to come to an end at some point. Um, and basketball is such a crazy sport. You know, one game you're you're beating the number one team in the country by 15, and then the next game you've got the incarnate word coming home to visit, and they beat you by three. And it, you guys will be fine. You guys are a talented basketball team, and I still think you guys are better than us. But I think I think we just wanted to beat you guys because we hadn't beaten you guys since 2013. So we went out there and played a great game. But uh. Yeah, Florida State basketball is probably, I mean, best you guys have ever been. Just in general, the last few years, the way they've grown, it's insane to see. Makes me upset because we were always a basketball school, and I can't claim that anymore. Man, for the viewers at home, or listeners, I guess I should say, I have never heard Anthony be this kind towards Florida State in my life. (laughs) So let's just take that in for a minute and enjoy that while it lasts because (laughs) I can say with confidence in future episodes, I don't think it's going to be like this. <laughs> no, just wait till we're good in sports again. When we're back in power and football, I'll be trash-talking all day. Yeah, yeah, I see that. All right, so going into the other uh, top teams in uh, the men's basketball, right now we've got Gonzaga, UCLA, and Kansas. Are we surprised by that? What do we think? Do we think it's going to stay that way? Um, What's going on? No, Gonzaga definitely deserves to be number one. Um, I hate the conference that Gonzaga is in. Um, they play in the West Coast Conference. Um, and to be honest, I don't know all the teams that they play off the top of my head, but that conference is trash. So they make up for it by playing a really hard out-of-conference schedule. They just defeated Texas. Um, so they deserve to be number one. Kansas probably deserves to be number two. Um, UCLA, when the season started, they were ranked so high because of how last season finished. Um, they went on some incredible run in the NCAA tournament last year. 
and got the number two ranking. Um, but they, they backed it up. They have a win um, that a lot of other teams can't claim this year. Um, but as far as the top three, I can't complain. I mean, it'll change a lot as the season goes on, but there's a really good chance that Gonzaga goes undefeated this year heading into the NCAA tournament. Definitely. I see that, especially after last year. They were so close to the fully undefeated season plus the NCAA tournament win. I mean, you could, you would only think that they would want to go back for that uh, once and for all and like finish the finish the deal on that one. Definitely a disappointing loss to Baylor in the championship last year. Um, as far as women's basketball goes, though, we've got South Carolina, UConn, and Maryland in the top three. And happy to report FSU women's basketball is ranked number 17 as of last week. Yeah, women's basketball... Um... I did get to watch the South Carolina-NC State basketball game. I watched um, a lot of it. South Carolina, of course, coming out on top. My my one big issue with women's basketball right now, something I'd love to see get improved in the future, is after the top mm, three or four teams, really, you could even make the argument that it's just South Carolina and UConn, but after those teams, it really, really falls off. Um, like you said, FSU is ranked 17th in the in the nation right now in women's basketball. But if they were going to play South Carolina or UConn, you'd probably see a 15, 20-point spread. Um, and then when it comes to NCAA tournament time, I mean, I mean, UConn went on that crazy, what was it, like 111 games in a row they won over a span of like three or four years? Like how? How does that happen? I mean, I think the level of competition at those at UConn especially is just so high. I mean, you've had huge women's basketball names come out of that school that I don't think you've really seen come out of uh, most schools at that level. I think it's just like a different breed almost um, when it comes to UConn women's basketball. So I definitely get your point there. But I would even say in a lot of other NCAA women's sports, that the the bar, like the level of competition, once you go from like the top three to five teams compared to the rest of the top 25 just drops so drastically as you keep going down that list. I worked with the beach volleyball team at Florida State last year, and that was something that I noticed um, even just within that sport. When you look at the top 25 team list, you've got like the top five teams are stellar. But then once you keep kind of working down that list, the the drop off for some reason is just so high that like you would also see so like a ginormous point spread between the like a number three team and a number like fifteen team, let's say, um, which I feel like you just don't see a whole lot in a lot of other sports. So it's an interesting kind of observation that you pointed out, Anthony. Yeah, it's just it's just interesting to me because you know you can't take anything away from the the women that are you know playing at those top schools you know like South Carolina and UConn. But if that talent can be spread around or if that talent can be expanded, um, and you know at the youth level to where more girls are being becoming better basketball players and just spreading that wealth, I think that will help grow women's sports a lot. I agree, and I think it'll make it a lot more fun to watch when you've got big talent across so many different teams in the NCAA. 
do we want to move on to the men's and women's cross-country championships happening? Or should I say happened? We had these notes set up before they happened, and we just didn't get to record before then. Yeah, uh, let's get into it. So, basically, I had to learn this too because I didn't really know, but I, since we're trying to report more on sports that not everybody uh, always pays attention to or knows about, uh, that's why we're kind of looking into it and explaining it now. So, um, one thing I did know because I go there was that, or I went there, man, I feel old saying that, um, was that FSU actually hosted the cross country championships this year. Uh, and they were held yesterday and both their men's and women's team qualified. But basically the rules are in order to qualify for the cross country championships, uh, your team has to usually place in the top two at the regional competition. And then there's nine regional championships across the country. And then those top two teams automatically qualify. And then the NCAA cross country subcommittee will then choose 13 at large teams to fill out the 31 team field. Uh, Usually that, that the teams that make the at large selection are the third or fourth placing at regionals. And then each team has seven people on it. And then the top five runners scores are um, the ones that are factored into uh, what like the points and how those correspond to the team's places. And then there's also runners that are individually selected if their teams didn't belong to an automatic or at-large qualifying team. So those runners belong to the first four finishers at a regionals whose team didn't qualify. Um, And then there's two at-large selections as well that are uh, made based on the two highest performing remaining runners, which brings the individual total competitors up to 38. So um, as I said before, the winner is basically determined by the first five runners that um, cross the finish line on each team. And then they win a certain number of points that correspond to their place. And then the team with the lowest score wins. So this year, our winners uh, on the men's side were uh, Northern Arizona University. And this is their fifth title in six years. Uh, And then you've got BYU uh, junior Connor Connor Mance. Wow. Uh, who won the men's 10K with a time of 28 minutes and 33 seconds, and he beat out all his other competitors by five seconds. And then NC State won the women's 6K race, uh, and it's their first national championship win in program history. And the individual winner is another BYU runner uh, by the name of Whitney Orton. She finished the 6K race with a time of 19 minutes and 25 seconds four seconds faster than any of her competitors. That's way faster than I could ever run a 10K or a 6K. (laughs) So huge props to those BYU athletes for that. Uh, Anthony, you got anything to say about the cross-country championships? Uh, Other than Northern Arizona winning five titles in six years, um, it's just in some of the smaller sports, it's fun to see, you know, the different – you know, powerhouses that there are. Football, you've got your Blue Bloods, and you have those in every other sport. But five titles in six years for, for Northern Arizona, that's that's very impressive. I'd like to see them win another five or six in a row. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, no, it's definitely huge. Definitely something I didn't know either before uh, researching this for the podcast. So 
Cool. Definitely some exciting news out of the NCAA this past weekend. Um, in addition to the cross-country tournament last night, the NWSL also had their final. Anthony, if you want to take this one, I got yep. you. So the Washington Spirit were facing off against the Chicago Red Stars in Louisville. Um, the Washington Spirit gained or got a 2-1 win. Um, with Kelly O'Hara scoring in the 97th minute to secure the game. So congratulations to the Washington Spirit. Um, and congratulations to the Chicago Red Stars for even getting there. They, they pulled a couple of upsets. Um, but the big story here was that the game was originally supposed to be played in Portland. But due to TV, um, TV time on CBS, um, CBS on the East Coast was going to have the game at noon. So if you were on the East East Coast, you were watching this game at noon, it would have been great. However, that meant that if they played it in Portland, they had to start at 9 a.m. This obviously um, upset a lot of the women playing, and they were like, we don't want to play at 9 a.m. You would never make other athletes play at 9 a.m. And so instead of moving, moving around time slots to where the NWSL championship could have been played in Portland at a reasonable hour, they decided to move it to Louisville. Um, and we've already talked about a couple of TV issues, um, you know, on this podcast. But the thing that's upsetting to me is just you. they moved it to Louisville. Um, and don't get me wrong, Louisville is, I'm sure, a great city. But when you think of big-time championships, um, Louisville is not the first place that comes to mind. Um, Portland probably doesn't come to mind either. However, in the United States, Portland is probably in the top five list of, of soccer cities. Um, but it just, they could have moved it to a city where they could have had a bigger stadium, a bigger crowd, more people, you know, like Miami. They could have put it in Miami. They could have put it down in Orlando and used um, the Orlando City Stadium that has that was built back in 2015 and is just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, but no, they moved it to to Louisville, and it just they rubbed me the wrong way for for that reason. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. Sometimes it almost feels like a lot of these women's sports are just like intentionally set up to fail by these big media companies. I don't know what the answer is to make it better. I mean, I think that that's also just part of the problem. There's a lot of like discrepancies too when it comes to the viewership rates for an NWSL final versus that of an NBA final or even just a regular Sunday NFL game. Um, the numbers don't compare, and so it makes sense why they try to put the sports at less than peak times, but at the same time, they're never going to get better if you don't give them a chance to get better. And so that's to me, is the really disappointing thing here of like, it just feels like whenever there's like almost like a win or like a step forward, in this kind of thing, it just goes right back to zero when things like this happen. Um, and they're, the women's sports are like always just vying for more spotlight. Yeah, it's it's a struggle. And I can't wait for the day where we don't have to complain to get stuff like this changed. I hope that, um, you know, I hope that CBS and the NWSL realize you know, that it was a mistake. The NWSL really probably didn't have anything to do with it. They're just trying to get their game on TV. But I hope that CBS, you know, can in the future figure out a way to get that game happening, you know, move some time slots around. I know it's weird, and I know things like that 
are hard to change, but it just, to me, it just rubbed me the wrong way when that happened. For sure. Couldn't agree with you more on that one. Moving into some more soccer, though, we've got the Men's World Cup 2022 qualifying. Uh, Anthony, I think you're a little bit more well-versed in this than me, so I'll let you uh, start off with this one. Uh, yeah, so I'm a big soccer fan, um, and a lot of people uh, aren't a big fan of the international breaks when all the soccer leagues around the world take take a break and let the international teams play, but I love it. Um, and last week, we had some World Cup qualifying go on. You have teams, Qatar has obviously qualified because they are the host of the tournament. You've got Germany, um, Denmark, Brazil, Belgium, France, Croatia, Serbia, Spain, England, Switzerland, the Netherlands, and Argentina have already qualified. Um, unfortunately for Ronaldo and Portugal, uh, they will be in a playoff uh, against a team that is to be determined, and so will Italy, who missed the last World Cup but won last summer's Euros. Uh, they are in a playoff against a team that is yet to be determined. Um, but the big news coming out of CONCACAF, which is the North American qualifying, is that the United States beat Mexico 2-0 um, in a Friday night game with Christian Pulisic scoring a goal. He actually scored the first goal. Um, but Canada, who is not a traditional power, currently sit atop CONCACAF qualifying. You have uh, Canada in first. They lead the United States by uh, a single point. We are in second. And then you have Mexico and Panama are tied down there in third with 14 points, a point behind the United States. Um, so as of right now, Canada, Mexico, and the United States are going to the World Cup, and Panama will go into a playoff. Um, but there are still six games to be played in the this qualifying cycle. It will resume in January, but I thought those were some big results. Um, but how do we uh, – do we think Messi – since Argentina have already qualified for the World Cup next year, do we think that next year can finally be Messi's year to bring home the World Cup? Honestly, I hope so. Because to me, winning a World Cup is like the like biggest thing you can do in soccer. Like representing your home country and being able to bring that home to them. Like that's huge. And he's got to be like playing with that in mind and like wanting to do that and having that be like a motivator for him throughout this tournament um, or throughout the call the qualifications. So, I mean, he has to be thinking with that in mind. Um, I hope that either him or Ronaldo can bring it back to either one of their respective countries in the end. And I feel like both of them are more than deserving players of it. So that's my hope. What about you? Yeah, I feel the same way except for, um, I am more of a Messi fan than I am a Ronaldo fan. Um, I One, I think Messi is the better overall player. But two, I think Ronaldo is kind of stuck up. I really don't want to see Ronaldo win it. Um, I wouldn't be upset. You know, it wouldn't be the end of the world. It would be cool. But uh, I think if either one of those players ends up winning the tournament next year, which is a long shot for both of them, but if either one of those players wins the tournament, I think that player will go down without a doubt as the best player to ever play the game. I mean, they're pretty even right now, but a World Cup would really put one above the other. I would definitely agree with you on that. Um, also, I definitely agree as well about the Messi thing. I definitely prefer Messi over Ronaldo, but they're both definitely two very well-respected soccer players, and that's why I uh, mentioned the potential World Cup win uh, for Ronaldo in addition to Messi. 
If you had to put your money on it, though, right now, we're still over a year out. Well, we're actually about a year away from the start of the World Cup. Who do you think wins it? Israel, bro. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they already <laughs> failed to qualify, but okay. Listen, listen. I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> hmm. Okay, let's think. I kind of like the looks of Croatia. I thought last World Cup, they were really, really good. They upset some teams. I think they still have like the poise and ability to do that. Um, and then outside of that, probably England would be my next, like my number two. What about you, Anthony? Um, I mean, you've got your normal powers. Um, the ones that have already qualified, you know, Brazil and France are in there. Um, England's in there, Spain. I think the team that I'm looking at right now is Belgium. Um, they have their golden generation right now who are getting up there in age. Um, you know, they were one of the favorites at the last World Cup and in the Euros um, last summer. But I think I think they can get over the line with Romelu Lukaku up top. You've got Eden Hazard, Thorgan Hazard. Um, I think... I think 2022 could be Belgium's year, um, but if if Belgium don't win it, I'd probably say I'd probably say France could go back to back, but that's extremely difficult. Um, but I'd say Belgium and France are probably still the two favorites to win it all for me. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on France. They're a killer team. I mean, it doesn't get much better than what you've got on the French team, um, and Belgium is definitely. Definitely in a good spot to to win it all as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of shapes up over the next year or so, and especially moving into the tournament. And speaking of international sports, we've got the Olympics coming up in 2022, the Winter Olympics. Uh, not a whole lot of news yet coming out of that in terms of qualifications and all that, but... Uh, the latest that was kind of announced this week is that the United States is considering a diplomatic boycott of the Winter Olympics in Shanghai, China. Um, and basically what that means for Team USA is uh, really nothing other than the fact that the uh, that no United States diplomatic officials, uh, like President Biden or Vice President Harris or anybody like that, None of them are going to go and attend the games to, uh, in order to protest human rights abuses carried out by the Chinese government. Um, it's basically just a way for them to, to it's to go about expressing their concern over human rights issues without punishing Team USA athletes by barring them from competition. Personally, I think it's the best way to go because China definitely uh, is not looking the best right now when it comes to. Uh, human rights and so on, not to get into all those issues, but um, someone has to hold them accountable, but I don't think punishing all of Team USA is the way to do it, so this seems to be a happy medium that will maybe send a message to our friends overseas and hopefully cause some change in that realm of politics. What are you thinking, Anthony? Um. Yeah, you made a good point. I think I think that punishing the Team USA team probably isn't fair because um, they definitely deserve the opportunity to go over there and compete. 
but I'm wondering the you know the Olympics a big gigantic bulk of Olympic viewership comes from the United States um, and, and this hurts my heart to say cause I love watching the summer and the winter Olympics but I'm wondering if we could have you know maybe canceled the right to view the Olympics here in the United States and that would have lost them a lot of money and that I don't know how that probably would have pissed China off a little bit to be honest um, and we really don't need to go about doing that right now um, but it's tough I mean I don't think to be honest I don't think China really cares that our president isn't going over there to watch the the Olympics um, but with stuff like this with it being so international it's just you don't want to take that opportunity away from the competitors but we're not I mean we're not really you know standing up to the the issues just by having you know diplomatic officials not be in attendance it's it's a weird I don't know it's a weird way to to you know boycott those those Olympics for me definitely I mean that makes sense I, I think more than it actually like causing any change I think it's just more the symbolism is more what um politicians are kind of going for here in terms of that I think just symbolism of not showing up and not um like participating in it from like a diplomatic standpoint but I think too I didn't even think about um what it would be and how like what the effect would be if uh the United States were to cancel like broadcasting deals but I mean even if you think about it from just like NBC's perspective for example who has the rights to the Olympics for I don't even know how long, how much longer, but I assume for a while. Um, if you look at it from their lens, I mean, they wouldn't even do it either because they would lose so much money off of it. I mean, the Olympics for them is like a huge deal, and that's uh, a big money maker for them when it comes to advertising deals and stuff. So I think outside of pissing off China, you'd also piss off um, NBC with that as well. Plus, like. It would still suck for the athletes because then what we don't get to watch them play when they've when they've um, trained their whole lives for this moment. That just doesn't feel like the most fair thing in the world either. So it's kind of just tough walking that line of of what is going to make a statement and make an impact, but also be fair to the athletes because they don't deserve to be punished for China's wrongdoings either. Yeah, there's no there's no perfect way to go about it. It's just weird. It's a, just a weird, it's a weird situation that China finds themselves in. Um, and it's a weird, you know, that it, this, all this is coming to light as they're hosting the Olympics. It's kind of like with the Qatar thing in the World Cup and, you know, all the, the uh, deaths that were caused building stadiums and stuff. It's just those countries have a lot of, a long ways to go in terms of treating their people like people. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think that not letting our, our, competitors compete is the right way to go about it so I guess this is probably the best thing that they could have done agreed so our last kind of thing uh, that we we're gonna wrap the show up on was uh, Antonio Brown Kyrie Irving and Aaron Rodgers Anthony what do they all have in common yeah it's it's late 2021 we're getting into 2022 and unfortunately we are still talking about covid and more importantly we are still talking about people who are avoiding getting the vaccine and 
causing their teams, their leagues, the people around them, just absolute stress at the moment. The best example uh, is Kyrie Irving, who literally told his team he is not getting vaccinated, um, and he was going to sit. He's not allowed to play. Brooklyn uh, mandates their players to get the COVID vaccine, so he was going to have to miss all 41 home games. And then the team came out and said, well, we don't want a part-time basketball player on our team, so you either get vaccinated or you sit the whole season. And so Kyrie Irving is now on his own, by his own willingness, choosing to not participate in his team's basketball games. And I just, Aaron Rodgers, that deal, I don't even know what happened with Aaron Rodgers. He got some alternate form of vax, not even vaccination. Um, he got an alternate, you know, method of it. Um, and the NFL went ahead and said that he was not properly vaccinated and they don't count him as being vaccinated. So he had to go through COVID protocols and uh, he ended up sitting out 10 games and then, which caused him to miss a team's game. And I just don't understand with these players, you're getting paid millions of dollars to do something that you love. You, you love to do it clearly or you wouldn't be there. So I don't understand why it is so difficult for them to get the vaccine. But then, of course, coming out recently, uh, we have the Antonio Brown incident, which I will let you expand upon a little bit. All right. Oh, God. Buckle up, y'all, because this one's kind of wild. So Antonio Brown's former live-in chef accused him of forging a COVID vaccine card in order to avoid NFL COVID protocols this season. Brown's girlfriend texted the chef at the start of the season, uh, a little bit before training camp, actually, um, and said that Antonio Brown would pay the chef $500 if he was able to get him a fake Johnson & Johnson vaccine card. Uh, Apparently, Antonio Brown and his former chef had a falling out over an uncollected debt. The chef claims that AB owes him $10,000 and refuses to pay it. Uh, after speaking to AB's lawyers, uh, nothing really came out of it, and the chef uh, decided that he was going to go public with this information. Uh, I guess the chef did not end up buying fake vaccine cards for Antonio Brown and his girlfriend, uh, but a few weeks later, uh, Brown was kind of showing off the fake vaccine cards and bragging about how he purchased them for him and his girlfriend just a few days before dr- uh, Buck's training camp began. So, uh, it's kind of up in the air right now if uh, Antonio Brown is vaccinated for real or not. Uh, I know his lawyer says that he is, but who knows? That could just be uh, him trying to cover up what he's done right now. But kind of back to the Kyrie Irving talking point, that thing makes me so mad. Because I don't know if you saw what happened, Anthony, during the Nets-Warriors game when the Warriors were just destroying them, and, like, they needed Kyrie in that moment, but he decided to sit out and disappoint his teammates, disappoint KD, disappoint James Harden. They were supposed to be, like, the powerhouse team this year uh, with all the talent they have on deck, and because Kyrie chose to set, to sit it out and not get a, a vaccine, he's just completely tanking their odds this year. It's really crazy to me that... Um, these athletes are like putting their their teams and everyone who's worked so hard uh, in jeopardy by not doing the right thing and just going and getting their 
their vaccination and being able to play the season uh, properly. And uh, it just doesn't make sense to me, man. Yeah, it's it's super frustrating. And it's, um, you know, being a, not that I'm a Nets fan, but I know that the Nets have sucked for a long time. And then last year, of course, they sign um, Kevin Durant and Kyrie and get James Harden on the team. Um, and they weren't very good last year. Uh, they weren't bad, but they weren't very good. But this was seen as like, um, you know, everyone was hurt last year. And finally, you, you've got KD. He's not injured anymore. And Kyrie's not hurt. And they're going to, all three of them are going to play together. And Nets fans are ready. Um, and all of a sudden, season starts. We're still talking about COVID, and we're still talking about Kyrie having, not getting vaccinated and not being able to play. I mean, you know, you're playing in a city that requires you to get vaccinated. I could see if he was playing somewhere else and he didn't want to get vaccinated, and you know, you might miss two games because you're playing in a city that requires it. So you maybe miss one or two games during the season. But at most, he was going to miss 41 games, and the team just went ahead and said, "No, we're not letting him play." Um, and so I feel really bad for the Nets fans, you know, they want to see their team be good and they still have James Harden and Kevin Durant and they should still be a good team. But now they've got all these distractions around their team and it's real. They've really struggled to start the year. And I put that on Kyrie Irving and his, uh, how do I put this airheadedness on the whole situation? I couldn't agree more. You honestly put it nicer than I would have. I was going to say selfishness. Uh, in this situation to be honest that's what I think of most uh, athletes that are kind of refusing to get vaccinated at this point you're putting your whole team at risk um when it comes to uh getting COVID and and ending seasons short or uh stopping players from playing in games and so on I mean especially when you're at the Aaron Rodgers, Antonio Brown, Kyrie Irving level when you when you make such a big impact on your team from a playing perspective um, it, to me, it's almost just like inexcusable. You're letting everybody down at that point. I would, I would agree. He's definitely just letting the team down. But uh, yeah, that's all we have for uh, for the first episode of this podcast. We've got you know some more good stuff next week. We'll be talking about some uh, some volleyball championships. We'll be talking about the uh, the MLS playoffs and stuff. But uh, is there anything else you wanna wanna wrap up with before we go? If you've made it this far. Thank you. We appreciate you. I love you. Keep listening to Selly Sports. Uh, we're going to drop new episodes every Monday morning. So stay tuned for that. And thanks for listening. Have a, have a nice week. Yeah, see you guys.